Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Once again, it's good being with you. This is Dr. E.J. McKenzie with the Master Key. Well, I pray that your weekend was awesome, great, dynamite, powerful. I had an excellent time. Uh, it was my wife's birthday. Her and I went and did something together, spent some personal time together, and I really enjoyed that. And uh heard um, that we had an excellent time in our church service yesterday. Uh, uh, one of our head ministers ministered the word of the Lord, uh, Minister Willie Bell Taylor, and heard it was just dynamite, and looking forward to uh, hearing that. But this is the Master Key, your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie, uh, for call-in numbers. Those that like to call in, have any questions, whatever the case may be, uh, you can call in at 347-237-5493. Once again, Call in number is three is three four seven two three seven five four nine three. Also, uh, if you want to um, uh, chat, you can. Uh, if you desire to write something, or chat something, um, 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 write me something, and we have the capacity to do that as well. And um, and I won't be writing it back, but I can answer your questions uh, over the air until I get someone to be able to uh, help us with that. But today I want to uh I'm I'm a relationship person. I'm a stickler for relationship. I believe that everything uh centered around relationship. God is a relational God. Um the scripture clearly says when God made man, he said, Let us um God the Father, which the head of the Godhead, did not operate independently of the Word. Uh the Word is the Son. Uh, there was no Jesus at the time. Jesus is the fleshly part of the Word. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. But he did not operate independently in his creative work of man nor or the creative world itself. He said, let us make man in our, not mine, in our image. So in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And he gave them authority. He says, let them have authority, not him, not her. Let them have authority over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. God is a relational God. So God is always in the relationship business. It was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that created humanity in his image and his likeness, the creative world. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all of them had a uh, act in doing that. So therefore, uh, he's a relationship with God. So when God created man, uh, or mankind, we know it was Adam, but yet it was defended in the masculine as one unit. And he took the, put the man to sleep and took the feminine out of the masculine or the sep, uh, subdivided the feminine from the masculine and left the masculine in Adam, which is the male gender, and then took the feminine out of him and created a woman, which was Eve, and brought her to him. But we're not talking about marriage today. 
we would deal with that on Wednesday when Kathy and myself uh, will host um, that part of the segment on Wednesday. Every Wednesday, it is we deal with marriages. Monday and Fridays, you uh, I will be coming before you, and on um, Tuesdays and Thursday, uh, Kathy will become before you, and she will begin to share uh, her heart, I suppose, concerning um, female things, in which we still dealing with relationship. Because if we're going to supersede, if we're going to advance in the earth realm, if we're going to receive all that God wants us to receive and be all that God wants us to be, we got to understand these relationships, how they operate, how they function, and the dynamics of them. If we don't, we're going to fail. A majority of us has failed and have experienced so much uh, frustration and so much aggravation. Uh, and the reason we experience so much frustration and aggravation is because uh, of a lack of understanding concerning the divine order of God. Uh, we got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that there is a real enemy out there. And there's two uh, major forces in the earth realm really one dominant force, but two major forces, and that is God and Satan. And we under and those that do not know the account, you need to read the scriptures in the beginning, let us know the account in the book of Revelation, how Lucifer became Satan. He never was always Satan, he was Lucifer. Uh one of the archangels of God, one of God's generals, one of God's main angels that he created, and he became Lucifer, the devil. And so we have to understand there's always an opposing force against you that's coming against you to be all that God has ordained, appointed, and anointed you to be. If the opposing force uh, came against the original order of God, the creation of God. It came against uh, the order of the relationship that God established in the Garden of Eden. Uh, uh, this is fascinating. I was kind of meditating on this this, this morning, uh, the order of the man and uh, when God um, formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul, but he placed him in the garden. That was his home. His home was the Garden of Eden. And, and God put him to work to till the ground. And he did all of this before he really brought the woman uh, to him. So Adam had developed a work ethic. So therefore, if that is the case, that God developed a work ethic in the man, and uh, trained a man in communicating and uh, overseeing and being responsible for the creative work of God, all of the animal, all of the vegetation, the trees. He put him in the garden to till the ground. So he created within the man a work ethic. If that is the case, uh, then the enemy's ultimate goal is to dismantle or to destroy that work ethic in the man. And But notice who put Adam to work. The father, his father put him to work. What was the father doing? Not only creating a work ethic, but the father was helping the man or creating in the man a dependency upon the father. What I mean by dependency upon the father? He gave the man a command. He put him in the garden to till the ground, to to work the ground. There was not a man to work the ground. So he put him in there. So he gave him instruction, work the ground. He worked the ground. And every animal that he brought to the man, the man named the animal. And those animals is named today. Now, who named the animals? The man named the animals. Who named Eve? The man named Eve. 
Well, I personally believe this right here, that the man or the father of children should name the children. The man should have a revelation. He should get a revelation from God of the destiny, the purpose of those children. And whatever the man named the children, that's what the children will become. The man is the authority that does not that does not diminish. Please don't don't misunderstand. This does not that does not diminish uh, the woman, the female gender. Absolutely not, because she was made in the image and the likeness of God as well. And so, therefore, God just took a dimension of His image and His likeness out of the man and made a woman and brought the woman to the man. For the man to be complete, the man need to understand that if I'm going to be successful in the earth realm, I'm going to need the other dimension of the image and the likeness of God that I don't have. And so, therefore, when God brings a wife to a man, he brings her to him and him to her that they will be whole, that he, she will compliment, and he will compliment her. Because remember, uh, both of them is made in the image and the likeness of God. So therefore, that's a dimension of God taken out. So, the, so there's a dimension of God that's not in the man. In order for the man to be complete and whole and successful and to function in his fullest capacity, then he needs the woman to come back, or I don't want to say the woman, but the feminine dimension of him to come alongside of him and he alongside of it. The masculine and the feminine is reunited. When the masculine and the feminine is reunited, then you can say that the masculine and the feminine now can give full expression of the God that created the man in his image and his likeness. So the full image and the likeness of God is masculine and feminine. So therefore, for me to operate in my fullest capacity, then I need my wife to come alongside of me, and I need to come alongside of her, and I need to be able to embrace the feminine dimension that I don't have. In order for me to be successful in advancing the will of God in the earth realm, to take dominion and to subdue, when God gave that order, that command to Adam, he gave the, com the command to the feminine and the masculine of Adam because there was no separation of feminine and masculine when God gave the original command. He said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them, them, who? The feminine and the masculine, have dominion of the fish of the sea to follow the end over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. Now, do Satan know that? Absolutely. The Bible said one would put a thousand a flight, two would put ten thousand a flight. I personally be the, the the greatest agreement partner in this universe when it comes down to humanity should be a man and his spouse, a husband and a wife, the masculine and the feminine. There was nothing. There's nothing that they cannot accomplish because they are really expressing. The full image of God. Do Satan know that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So therefore, therefore, the enemy understands that. So his ultimate goal is to do what? Is to get the feminine and the masculine to function independently and not function as a unit. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, it says, If any two agree on earth, where were mankind the body of man come from, the earth. 
God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into man's nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. When the breath touched the physical body or the dirt, a soul came into existence. So the soul must comprise both spirit and natural elements or characteristics. Because once the spirit of the breath of life, which is spirit, which you cannot see, touched what you could not, you can see, it created something that you could not see, a soul, but yet had the characteristics and the attributes of both. But yet the soul is designed to, I don't want to get into that, and I'm getting to something else, but I still want to get into this thing uh, concerning agreement here. I'm getting something totally different. Um, I'm so inundated with this teaching, um, this series you're doing, The Anatomy of Man, and, um, um, and everything functions from that. You need to get that series. Uh, it'll be a tremendous blessing to you. But let's get back to agreement, if you will. If any two agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them of the Father, which is in heaven. So according to this, that agreement, any two agree that's living here on the earth has the ability to influence or touch or activate or release from the one that created it, who lives in heaven, created it in the earth, so therefore our agreement influences the supernatural, the invisible, or our Father. So our Father wants you and I to agree. Agreement releases from the realm of the spirit into this realm. It will bring into existence in this realm what is not in this realm if somebody agree. So evidently agreement must not be that easy. If it was, then we would see more manifestation of things in this realm if agreement was that easy. But if you really think about it, it is easy. It's more easy from the negative perspective than it is from the positive. Why? To agree, that means someone must be willing to deny themselves. Someone must be willing to surrender their will, their desires, their heart, their passion. If that's the case, so, if, and watch this right here, and this is beautiful because we've got to understand the order, and we've got to understand the order of God, the function of God, the capacity of God. Now, we will understand our function. When God created the male and the female, or the masculine and the feminine, there's an order. There's an order. Now, when he created man in his image, in his likeness, he formed man of the dust of the ground. That man that he formed, was it a male gender or a female gender that housed the other gender? So was it a man that housed the feminine, or was it 
a woman that housed the male. It was the male. It was the man. It was a man that housed the feminine. The man, the masculine, that housed the feminine. So even Peter said the male was fair first. The man was first, then the woman. So order. We, we got to understand order. These are biblical principles. These are not only biblical principles, but these are biblical laws. When we think about laws, we don't think about the Ten Commandments. <laughs> there's laws that, that goes beyond the Ten Commandments. There's natural laws. There's spiritual laws. And really, there's, there's what we call soulish laws, laws that governs the soul, laws that governs the body, which relates to the creative realm of God. And there's laws that governs the realm of God, which our human spirit relates to. But the higher law is always the spiritual law. You got the spiritual law, you got the soulish law, and you got the natural law. And it goes right in order. The natural laws is the lowest form of order, or laws, in order, in the whole spectrum of God. Because the natural was created out of the spiritual, or the visible was created out of the invisible. And all of this is important, what I'm saying, when it comes down to understanding relationship. Biblical relationships. I want to really get to that because it's, 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 it's very important that how we understand how God advances himself in the earth realm. So agreement. So who agree with who? Do the man supposed to agree with the wife? Or the wife agree with the man, the husband? So so we we got to understand the order here. Do God agree with Jesus? Do Jesus agree with the Holy Spirit? Or do the Holy Spirit agree with Jesus and Jesus with the Father? Which one? How how do this dynamic play out? If there is an order, then it got to be biblical. we got to see it, the trace of it. Uh, we should be able to trace it in the Word of God. So, therefore, let's look in the Word of the Lord. Okay. Now, the gospel is... Jesus Christ becoming, or the Word of God becoming flesh. In the name of the flesh part of the Word is Jesus Christ. The Word of God became flesh. So Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Nowhere in the gospel we see that Jesus says, the Father here to do my will. Nowhere in the gospel. He said, the Father is here to do my will. All through the gospel, he said, it is my will to do the Father, or my meat, my pleasure, is to do the will of the Father. So, here's the word, the Son of God, coming in agreement with his Father. He lives for the pleasure of his Father. Nowhere we see that the Father is living for the pleasure of the Son. We, we don't see that nowhere. So we have to look at the order of our creator and let us know how you and I should function in the earth realm. So we see all through the scripture, Jesus talks about the father honoring him as well. Why is the father honoring him? Because he's honoring the father. The father is going to honor me because I honor the father. So we see in the word of the Lord the pattern of Christ setting before his body. 
We are his body. He is our head. He's set in the pattern. Now, he said, I love the Father, and the Father loves me. I love the Father, and the Father loves me. So, if this is the pattern, should my wife love me and I love my wife? If this is the order and the pattern, we are the bride. He's the bridegroom. My wife is the bride. I'm the bridegroom. Let's look at the pattern here. So, where the Holy Spirit comes in. Do Jesus live for the pleasure of the Holy Spirit? Well, according to the Scripture, he lived for the pleasure of the Father. Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. The Father, first person of the Godhead. Jesus, the Word, second person of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. But the Scripture calls the Holy Spirit God, called Jesus God, and God called himself God. In the book of Hebrews, I think it's fascinating, after Jesus rose from the dead, the Father calls Jesus God. He calls Jesus God. The Word was always God, but now the Word that became flesh now is acknowledged as God because it's fulfilled the will and the purpose of the Father. He's been, he died, he was buried, he rose the third day, and when he rose and accomplished the will of the Father, he called him God. Now, this is beautiful, fascinating. I'm always getting back to this relationship thing. Look at this right here, if you will. The Word was always one with the Father. The Word became flesh. Jesus kept saying, I am one with the Father. And the Father is one with him. But it was only after Jesus rose from the dead, according to the book of Hebrews, that we see in the word of the Lord, that the Father now calls the man Jesus, which became flesh, or the man Jesus, which was one with the word, the word was one with him, called him God. So now, this is the first time in humanity's history that a man is now Walking in the fullness of the oneness of, with with God, his creator. And the creator walking in the fullness of the oneness with a man. Adam did not complete that. The word was always one, but the word became flesh, so flesh could become one. This reason shall a man leave his father's mother and cleave his wife and the two shall become one. How did the flesh ever become one with God? Well, the man, the word that became flesh, had to do something in order to come in the full manifestation of one with the Father. Jesus made the declaration, I'm one. He spoke by faith. He said, I was the resurrection. Never died. He said he hadn't even died yet. He said, I'm the resurrection. So was he making a statement of faith that I'm one with the Father? And the Father one with me? And, and it's beautiful how he why he said that because he said he says, because the Son seeks not his own will, but he seeks the will of the Father that sent him. That's so that's why I'm one with him. I don't seek my will, but I seek the will of the one that sent me. That's the only way you ever can become one with anyone when you deny your will and seek the will of the one that is considered 
the authority. The father is the first person of the Godhead. And the Bible said thought he thought it not Robert for him to be equal with the Father. So he was one with the Father. But in order to accomplish the Father's will, he laid aside his equality and became a servant. I'm here to serve the Father. So I lay aside my deity. I lay aside my equality. I don't think it Robert for me to be equal with the Father. But I'm going to take the form of a servant. And I'm going to humble myself to death, even the death of the cross. Because this is the will of the Father. Oh, are we getting this, this order here? The pattern here? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let us get this and understand this, because this is the manipulation of the enemy for you and I not to experience the oneness that God wants to experience with him. I can't experience oneness with him if I'm not bringing those relationships that he brought to me in order with him. For me to experience oneness with my wife, I must experience oneness with him to bring her to oneness with me. Oh, no, I wouldn't say with me. Oneness with him so, so she can become one with me. Bring our children in oneness with him so they can become in oneness with us. Kingdom order. But how do we do this since we live in such a world? That's why the Bible calls the world an enemy of God. It's an enemy because everything in this room is totally 100% contrary. This is how you know if you're spiritual or if you're carnal. How our thoughts is governed. And it's so fascinating to me how we're so easily manipulated, tricked, and deceived in the church as born-again believers. And, and the reason I'm saying that is, is the, the, all you got to stop and think, listen to how we talk. Our, all of our speech betrayeth us. It reveals if I'm spiritual, if I'm carnal. And carnal is just like being un, unsaved. I'm just saved, but I'm still dominated and controlled by my emotions and my feelings. I'm still dominated by the external. And I'm not dominated by the internal. I don't live from within. I live from without. So what I see people do, what I hear what people say, that is contrary to what God has said about me, if I'm moved by that, it's roughly, I am more natural than I am spiritual. Let's get back to this relationship thing with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Father calls him one after he went through the process of death, denying himself. And there's always a process. Gethsemane before a cross. And there's always a cross before a resurrection. That's a process. And God wants you and I to experience resurrection life, personally, relationally economically, in every realm. So let's look at this thing. So Jesus died to his will, not my will, but the Father's will. So you look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How do they equate to a family? The Father, the male gender, the head of the relationship. The second person of the family, in the, in the order of a family, is the wife, the mother. 
the per- third person in relationship of the spectrum of the order of God in a family is the children. You got the male, the man, the male. You got the woman, the female, or the man, the masculine. You got the woman, the feminine, and you got the children that could be made of both, masculine and feminine. So therefore, here's the order of God. How do a family become one? It's impossible for a family to ever experience oneness if the masculine and the feminine is not experiencing oneness. If the masculine and the feminine does not come together in unity, it's impossible for them to model before the third person uh, in the family structure. It's impossible for them, for them, the, the children, to become one with the masculine and the feminine or the male and the female because once they harmonize, they model before the children God. Do Satan know that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, therefore, in order for Satan to become successful in destroying the generations and stopping a, the momentum of God in the earth realm, how will he accomplish this? Well, I'm going to attack the order of God. I'm going to attack the masculine and the feminine. I'm going to get them out of order. My goal really is if I can just get them out of order and they sire children out of order, then I can birth in children in the order of chaos and not children in the order of unity and oneness and love and peace. If I can just get them to sire your children out of order. Now, did Jesus take an offense? Because he was the second person to Godhead. Absolutely not. He took absolutely no offense in being the second person of the Godhead. Did Jesus count it a privilege? Yes, he did. He counted a privilege. He counted a privilege that he was the Son of God. The Son of God counted a privilege. He didn't, I mean, man, just to, I'm, I'm a son. <laughs> uh, there's no envy, strife, or jealousy in me. I don't want to be the father. Because I am him, he is me, because I'm one with him. Oh, if only we can get this. If we only could, ladies and gentlemen, just get it and see how this thing works. There's absolutely no stopping us. But the manipulation is always to get me to be envious or jealous or uh, to be lied to that you're insignificant because you're not the head of the Godhead. You're second. That's always the manipulation. It still operates today. And then the children. My parents don't love me. 
my parents don't care about me. Because if my parents love me, they'll let me have my way. But isn't that the mentality? Even the second person of the, of, of the Godhead or the second person of the, the structure of the family? My husband loved me because he gave me. My husband loved me because he do this for me. My husband loved me because he, he buy me this. My husband loved me because he let me have my way. Where did this come from? Jesus did not live to have his way. He lived to bring pleasure to the Father. So therefore, Jesus was the same equivalent as a woman to, I won't say a woman, but a wife to a husband, a helpmate. He helped the Father fulfill purpose and destiny. I come in the volume of the books that is written of me, Hebrews. I come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do thy will, O God. I come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do your will, O God. I come to this marriage to do your will, O husband. Boy, I know I can hear some of you all out there say, wait a minute here. I ain't no slave to no man. I ain't coming to do no man's will. Now, we are one. Wait, 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 wait you, you're missing it. Oh, no, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying at all that you're a slave. But the Bible gave Adam a helper. Help me, the word, word help me in the Hebrew means to be adaptable, adjustable, and conformable. Do the, do the father love the son? Absolutely. Did Adam love Eve? Absolutely. Even to the point he was willing to sin. Just to stay in relationship with her. But you got to understand. If you understand the order, the enemy is going to manipulate the second person to try to get them to think that they're less than when you're really equal. That man needs you just as much as you need the man. Because... The man is incomplete without you. Unless the man chooses to be a eunuch. And we're not talking, we're just talking about relationship now. To accomplish everything we're talking about, family, we're talking about biblical relationship. And I really want to get to the point about the protege and the, and the mentor. Uh, um, here's biblical relationship. And this is the reason I believe the church is in the condition of the state that it's in. Because we don't know how to harmonize at home, we don't know how to harmonize in the church. Because the order and the structure at home is chaotic, we bring that into the church. How many people, and only mature people can do this, can really submit to the order and the structure that God has established? That's the only way we're going to advance. And the only reason you do it at, at, on your job is because you see a personal benefit. You see a personal benefit. And the personal benefit is making some money. Pay your bills. But so therefore, therefore, we do not have a biblical mindset going on to that job, into the job. What's the biblical mindset going into the job? Living for the success of someone else. Living for the success of your boss. You said, but he's a wicked person. Living for the success of your boss. You said again, but he's a wicked person. The Bible says in Hebrews, now Romans 13, all authority being 13. All authority be has been ordained by God. You mean in the wicked? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yes, even the wicked. All authority that be has been ordained by God. Now we know we're entering into a new election year. It is so fascinating how natural-minded so many of us Christians that's born again of the Spirit. We get in arguments over candidates, black man, white man. So you got black Christians arguing and standing for the president. And you got white Christians that can't stand the black president. We are so carnal. We are so natural. And you wonder why there's no supernatural power flowing in the church. Here God himself is not black nor white. God is a spirit, and you're supposed to be a spirit. Have a living in a black body or white body, but we get into black and white conversation. That means you are not born again. Or if you're born again, you're carnal. You have not experienced the born again. Uh, uh, well, I'll put it this way. You have not grown in your born again experience. Put it that way. God is not black. God is not white. <laughs> God is not human being. A human being. God is a spirit <laughs> that created human beings. And so, therefore, we get into this thing. So, we're born again. We're supposed to have God's mindset. And 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 it reveals who's the determining factor of your life. It just it, it really fascinates me that we're more natural. And so, if you find, and I, I've seen this happen too. So, when you find someone that's more spiritual minded and talk with somebody about this election thing, and you talk to them, they agree with you. But in their heart, they didn't agree. They 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 search for somebody that's going to get in a conversation about the black thing, white thing. They talk about Romney is this kind of person, Obama is this kind of person. But who is Rob Nick Romney? Who is Barack Obama? They're human beings. They're human beings, ladies and gentlemen. They are not God. And 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 the heavens has already determined the election. Our heavens already know what the election is going to be. But which reveals that we are more natural than we are spiritual. And so therefore we we vote based on our nationality. We don't vote based on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we want to know why the church can advance supernaturally because that's because we're more natural. Nobody's consulting the Holy Spirit. Nobody's asking God. And so we get in vain conversations. Conversation that means nothing is going to produce nothing. And all vanity of vain conversation is empty. It's not inspired. When I put it this way, it really ain't empty. Because if it's not influenced, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's influenced by the devil himself. It's, there's no neutrality in the earth realm. No neutrality. Now, how did I get on that? Let me get back to the relationship thing, because I'm going somewhere with this, because we've got to understand the order of God. We've got to understand the order of God. And so much frustration and aggravation comes because we don't understand the order. I've seen husbands, uh, and I've counseled too many people. I've been, I've been in the ministry over 30 years, been preaching over 30 years. Uh, uh, because of the frustration, we enter into a dominant um, uh, domineering uh, mentality, attitude, perspective over the second person of the family because of our frustration. 
And our frustration is because they're not doing what they should be doing. And this is the big, big, biggest one I've seen. And we got, listen, I see the enemy has dismantled the majority of our ministry by this one here. Because we don't understand God's primary purpose of existence, the enemy has manipulated us and we put more emphasis on the church than the primary purpose of relationship. It ain't about the church. God, there was no church. It was family. But 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 because I'm called to the gospel, yes, you may be called. I'm called. But notice who he called to the gospel. And I won't say called to the gospel, but notice who he chose. Because I believe so many of us is called but have not been chosen. But notice who he chooses. He chooses people into the gospel who have their their families in order. We see that in the book of Timothy and Titus. Well, who should be in race and leadership? If a man does not take care of his own household, how can he take care of the house of God? If a man don't have his family in order, how can he have the church in order? He can't. Well, let's go back to the father of faith. We have a father of faith. Abraham is considered and called the father of faith. He believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. Watch this here. Who did God speak to to leave his country and his father's house? He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to the masculine dimension of the union. The masculine dimension of the order of the family. He spoke to the head of the family. Lead a country. Get out of your father's house. And go into a place I should tell you. God didn't tell him. He just packed his bags and began to move. How many wives today will allow your husband to walk by faith? How many wives today will allow the head of the family to walk by faith? Where are we going? I don't know. I'm just walking. I'm going east. What's east? I don't know. Well, why are you going? God told me. Do I make any sense? No. Can't be God. Why not? Because it don't make no sense. Well, who say that God operates by senses and reason? But we got it. We, we, we got family here. We got a place here. There's provisions here. There's security here. Anything go wrong? We got we got people to help us and aid us and assist us. Yes. But who's going to aid us if we leave here not knowing where we're going? God. God? you never seen God. But God told me to leave. We don't hear it. It could have been, but it's not written. That Abraham had these conversations with his wife. We don't see the second person of the union combating the first person of the union. We don't see this happening. 
we only thing we see is him packing his bags and getting up and going and everybody going with him. That means what's on him will fall on everybody that's going with him. It don't make no sense. No, it don't. Then God visited Abraham and said, I'll tell you what. He said, listen, Abraham said this to God. Listen, I don't have no heir, but this Eliezer, you know, my servant has been raised up in this household. He said, well, that ain't going to be your heir. It's not? No. It's going to come from your own loins. Sarah herself is going to have a child. Wow, okay, praise God. Sarah, God just told me that, you know, this is not going to be our heir. But um, you're going to become impregnated. And I know you've been barren. You haven't bared no children, but God said it. She got excited. Ten years passed. When God first spoke to Abraham, Abraham was 75 years old. She was 65 when he said, you're going to have children. Abraham now 85. She's 75. She's getting anxious now, frustrated now, because God hasn't showed up. Naturally, so she goes to the man that told her what God said. You said God said. I ain't pregnant yet. Ten years has passed. So you got to do something. Take my handmaiden, go lay with her so she can bear a child for me. Please listen to me. This has always been the pattern of setbacks. When God gives you an original assignment, a commandment, I'm talking to the masculine dimension of the union, and you turn around and you yield to the second voice or the voice that is second in the union over the one that created the union. It will always cause a setback. With Adam, it caused thousands and thousands of years of setback until Jesus came. With Abraham, it caused 25 years setback. That's why every man needs a relationship. The one that is masculine is responsible for communicating with the one who created him and articulating to the second and the third person that's in the union, the wife and the children, what God has revealed, the direction God has revealed. It's vital that we understand that. Then you, another question would be, will, will God ever speak to the second person in the garden? I believe so. But when will God do this? I person, this is my personal belief. He will speak to the second, the person, the second in the, in the union. If the person that's first in the union is out of order. Or when the one that is second in the union is walking in oneness with the one that's in union with God. When the masculine walking in union 
and the feminine is walking in union with the, uh, the masculine, walking in union with the father, his creator, and the feminine is walking in union with the masculine, I personally believe this right here, that when God speaks to the masculine, the person that's second in the union will get it as well. I believe they'll get it as well. You said, is that biblical? Well, let's look at another pattern, Elijah and Elisha. God spoke to Elijah and said, go throw your mantle upon Elisha, and I know him in your stead. Throw this mantle upon him. Eventually, he started following him. When it was almost time for Elijah to be caught up to leave this realm, to the realm of God, the other prophets, that was a part of the school of the prophets, told Elisha, he said, do you not know that your mass will be taken today? He said, shut up. Be quiet. Yes, I know. So I believe that uh, when a protege has come to the place that he has fulfilled purpose in serving his mentor, and you could never serve your mentor, never serve your mentor, when you have not surrendered your heart to your mentor. You could never serve your mentor effectively if you have not surrendered your desires, your vision, your everything. If you're not laid at the altar to serve without any ulterior motives, you could never serve effectively to become one with your mentor. You only can become one when you have laid down what you want for the success of another. You become one with the other. That's how Jesus became one with the Father. He had no personal vision. He laid his life down and became one with him. He came one with him in faith while he was in the flesh, but he came one with him when he was raised from the dead. That's how you become one. And Elijah... Elisha became one, and God, he knew what, I believe, what God, everything that God spoke to Elijah's mentor, he spoke to him, because he had proven that he lived for the success of Elijah. But notice this, that Elisha understood that he had an obligation unto God, not Elijah, he had an obligation unto God to serve Elisha. God spoke and said, throw your mantle on Elisha. He, Elijah obeyed God, and Elisha obeyed God by following him. The husband have to obey God. The wife got to obey God. The husband is going to obey God by loving his wife. The wife is going to obey God by submitting to her husband. She obey God, he obey God, and the two becomes one. The mentor obey God, the protege obey, obey God, and the mentor and the protege become one. When the mentor and the protege become one, now it's time. It's time to release now the protege. To release the protege into purpose and destiny. For the protege now to become a mentor. For the protege to come to do the same thing that what was done to him. 
Now the protege is responsible for finding uh, a protege because the protege has become a mentor now. This is the order of God, ladies and gentlemen. It is not God's will for our children to stay in our household today, 50 years old. It's our job as the first and second of the union of a family is to raise children up in the fear and ammunition of the Lord and release them. And this is how you know that your children has been properly mentored. You will never know as long as they stay in the household. You will never know. It's when they are released on their own. What they do on their own will reveal if they have properly received from you. Has they properly won with the father and the mother? What they do when they're out of your presence reveals what kind of person they have really become. And if they execute the same standards that you have lived before them and modeled before them, that means they have a submitted spirit. If they do produce something else that's contrary, that means they only obeyed you but never submitted to you because now they're birthing something in to this realm that you never birthed in, which reveals they have a rebellious heart. These are biblical principles of relationship. As we begin to understand it and get them, ladies and gentlemen, there's absolutely nothing and no one will be able to stop us. No one and nothing will be able to stop us because we're operating in biblical order and no weapon formed against a man and a woman and a family that's operating in biblical order. So if the enemy can bring chaos into the second person of the family structure, it's going to bring chaos to the third person of the family structure. That's the children. But if that man can hold his ground and don't compromise, and this is where men miss it at, Adam compromised, Abraham compromised, it's painful because it seems like you the enemy. I'd rather be the enemy of my wife and my children doing the will of God than be the enemy of God doing the will of my wife and my children. Because now the devil got at the whole family now. But if I stand, God knows how to bring his creation in kingdom order by my stand. But we got so many men that has violated and compromised the order of God. And so many men don't even know the order of God. They didn't get it from their parents. Their parents didn't know. Our mentality of, of, of kingdom order is getting a job and giving the woman everything she wants, the children everything she wants. Let me just buy whatever she wants. She wants so as long as there's peace in the house, ain't no peace. That's false peace. It's false peace. Peace only comes from God. Only from God. And there's no peace if I'm not obeying God. But we got to trust God. we got to stand on the unadulterated and follow the word of the living God. And then we will see a supernatural move of God. We will see heaven invade my marriage. Heaven will invade my home. Heaven will invade my family. Heaven will begin to cause my wife, my children, myself to divinely align because he have an instrument. He have a channel. He have an agent in the earth that's standing on biblical principle and refuse to compromise. So many men is hurting today because they have never had a father in their life that was born again 
and understood biblical principles and put a demand on the young men to young man to become a man to help develop his manhood because their father didn't know their father's father didn't know and their father father's father didn't know so the only example we had is what was modeled before us which was a worldly standard and a worldly order that has come and tripled tripled crippled that's the word I'm looking for crippled the family structure ladies and gentlemen and now we got people in 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 the order of God that refuse because it looks like you're losing out on something. Who would trust God today? Who would trust God today? If there's any men that would trust God, say, I'm going to stand. Even if I have to lose everything, I'm going to stand on the unadulterated, unadulterated infallible word of God. I'm not going to compromise. And that doesn't mean you've been dogmatic. That don't mean you've been a tyrant. That means you're walking in the love of God. And you're not going to resist, but you submit yourself to him that judges righteously. You're going to trust him who is the creator of all things, the creator of all spirits and souls and bodies. You're going to trust him. He just needs an instrument and a channel that's going to stand that he can flow through to bring and establish his kingdom in the earth realm. Would you be that? Will you be the man that said, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to, my family's going to turn around. I'm going to turn around by rededicating myself to him. What wife, if the man is out of what wife has the wisdom of God like an Abigail? Do we have any Abigails in the church today that's married to a neighbor but can see the hand of God move because of your wisdom? God can give you and turn your husband to a David because of your wisdom. That you know how to honor and serve the Most High God by submitting to your husband. Not preaching to him. Not prophesying to him. But modeling a chaste life before him. That your life is so powerful, it brings conviction on him. And he ended up giving his life to the Lord. We got a couple that haven't joined our church not too long ago. They are married 52, just turned 52 years. They've been married. And 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 um, the gentleman said how his wife, the fear of God, was on him based on the fear of God was in his life based on his wife chase behavior. She never argued, fussed with a kid, but her life brought conviction. Well, we pray that you got something out of this radio broadcast today. And on relationship, I am a relationship man. I love relationship, but this is what the devil fights more than anything and has fought me with in Aries relationship uh, all over the whole spectrum of relationship, spiritually, domestically, uh, business-wise, ministerial-wise. The enemy has fought it, but God has restored it. Once again, Monday and Friday, as you'll get me, uh, you hear me, 1 o'clock, Tuesday, tomorrow, and uh, Thursday. Matter of fact, Thursday we won't be on there because we have a prophet training. Uh, we want to invite you to our prophetic training. Listen, this Sunday night, we're going to be having our bishop going to be with us, Bishop Bill Hammond. You don't want to miss that at 6 uh, p.m. It's going to be at the, um, uh, what hotel is that now? <laughs> uh, the Embassy Suite Hotel, uh, Miami Hotel. 
Miami Embassy Suites Hotel at 6 p.m. You don't want to miss that. Tell your family and friend. Uh, this man here is uh, ministry is worldwide, and you will be blessed from He's the one that really, I believe, has propagated the prophetic dimension in the body of Christ. You don't want to miss this. You will be a blessing being in that meeting. So this Sunday, when we're having a prophetic training down south, uh, you need to be there. Come and be a part of this prophetic training Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You will be blessed. Come be with us at the uh, Northwestern High School this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, Northwestern High School. Come be with us. I'm a Bible study uh, this Wednesday night. And we pray that the rest of your day be blessed. Good being with you once again. God bless.